Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down the movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by Todd, who completes Wes. Let's dim the lights and start the show. Welcome to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Patty's Pub. Whether you're white, black, gay, or underage, anything goes at Patty's Pub. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. Welcome to The Pestle. I'm Wes. (laughs) And I'm Todd. And this is the show where we like to tease apart movies and look for what they're made of, what makes them interesting, what makes them work or not work. And I don't know, look at it from a filmmaker's perspectives. And otherwise. And otherwise. That's true. Uh, It's interesting. Today we're going to be doing Mission Impossible Fallout. And it's only just now occurring to me that Tom Cruise runs is kind of a theme and kind of a running gag and at like the Alamo Draft House. But he's... What do you mean? Like him running? Yeah. There's just all kinds of movies and shots of him just running. You could probably stream together like a six-hour movie. (laughs) Run a marathon. The Tom Cruise marathon. (laughs) Yeah. Like a literal marathon of him running. But yeah, with that in mind, I'll probably like pick your brain a little bit on some of the physicality uh, oh. later on. Okay. That's, yeah, because if you don't know, Todd is not only like a badass producer full time, but he's practically a full time athlete. <laughs> Uh, practically. Yeah. Yeah. There's a big difference between practically and actually. That's true. But to the rest of us mortals who don't work out, what, 20 hours a week? Yeah. 15 to 20. That's, that feels, that sounds like full time. Yeah. Yeah. It feels it. (laughs) Yeah. Spoiler alert. Oh yeah. All right. (laughs) Sorry. I was just, waiting <laughs> no yeah i didn't know i know right. we never officially handle those things uh, yeah we don't yeah so spoiler alert if you have not seen uh mission impossible fallout definitely uh pause this and go watch it and then come back because we're gonna you know break it down into its small finite moments and you will know everything before you see it and that's never a good thing so uh, true yeah yeah so definitely go watch it there's spoilers galore coming up Galore. We're yeah. going to cover a lot of things, including the opening, some of the acting, the writing, and so much more, more, more Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Yeah. So here's a quick synopsis. Again, pause this if you haven't seen it. Otherwise, here we go. Ethan Hunt and his IMF team, along with some familiar allies, race against time after a mission gone wrong. It's directed by Christopher McQuarrie, screenplay by Christopher McQuarrie and Bruce Geller, and it's starring the never aging Tom Cruise as Ethan Hunt, Henry Cavill as August Walker, Ving Rhames as Luther, Simon Pegg as Benji, Rebecca Ferguson as Ilsa, uh, Sean Harris as Solomon Lane, Angela Bassett as Sloan, Alec Baldwin as Huntley, Hunley, Vanessa Kirby as White Widow, and Michelle Monaghan? Monaghan? Monaghan. Monaghan? <laughs> as Julia. Your mission... Should you choose to accept it? I wonder, did you ever choose not to? The end you always feared is coming. And the blood will be on your hands. The fallout of all your good intentions. You had a terrible choice to make in Berlin. One life over millions. And now the world is at risk. This is the CIA's mission. 
if he had held on to the plutonium, we wouldn't be having this conversation. His team would be dead. Yes, they would. That's the job. Cool. <laughs> so, yeah. what was your... How many times did you see this in theater, and how did you feel walking out? I just saw it once. A couple of things that I just want to get off my chest before mm-hmm. I go in. The first thing is I hate when movies revolve around nuclear bombs mm. and plutonium. That word <laughs> drives me crazy. In that trailer, like everything about it is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Like from you know his your mission should you choose to accept it. Like that was it's like oh my gosh like that's that's awesome how he's like his delivery is fantastic, but if he would have held onto the plutonium like it just it drives me crazy it's it's just like a fallback you know what's the what's the the biggest thing that we can use to to possibly kill as many people as possible and make this the most grandiose thing you know plutonium and nuclear bombs i i get it maybe could have thought us been a little bit more creative in that regard so that was really annoying that's so good like that is so accurate and i think it honestly didn't even cross my mind with this film really because i that's just what i expect out of mission impossible films in terms of yeah they're they're gonna go for the kind of the low-hanging fruit like you said what's the most dangerous thing that we could endanger the world with yeah, it's either satellites blowing things up from outer space or which is, I guess, more of a 007 thing. But all those movies, I kind of lump in together in general. And it didn't really even occur to me. The opening scene, right? You have the, the atomic blast on and I'm just thinking, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> yeah. And I just was like, yep. But I love that you're pointing it out because it is so true. It is so cliche yeah. and derivative. Yeah, it, it it is. And, you know, a couple other things. One these are bubblegum like candy for me. Mm-hmm. Like I, I love these kinds of movies. Say what you will about Tom Cruise. That son of a bitch can act. He kills it in this film. I love it. I love him the whole time. I think he's, he's excellent. He doesn't, he doesn't lose a single step from the first one. He's exactly the same. I don't know how he does it. Maybe something in the Scientology water, <laughs> whatever, but he just kills it. Anyway, my biggest problem with movies like this is that there's not enough sacrifice, right? And in in the movie that I'm going to recommend this week, it has that. Hmm. Um, and that's what makes it an excellent action film that, you know, not to give what, what, yeah, anything yeah. away with what I'm going to recommend, but I don't feel like enough was sacrificed in order for this, for him to, and spoiler, win. That's end. so funny that you say that too, is because I saw this twice in theaters once, you know, just to experience it. Yeah. And the second one was to take my notes. But even watching it the first time, I felt compelled to write some things. And the very first word I wrote was sacrifice. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. Really? Well, because yeah, that's what they're setting up, right? Is yeah. she sacrificed her identity and her whole life for his sake. And he was sacrificing, you know, his love for her in order to, you know, save millions and have, and he felt like he felt more compelled to sacrifice the potential harm to millions in order to save his buddy, Luther. Yeah. And so there's all these elements and themes of sacrifice that to your point, 
never really needed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No one really ever gets sacrificed. Right, and the sacrifice, okay, it would have been a better movie if Luther would have died. Yeah. Think about it. He's been in all the films to now. For him to die at the beginning of this one is perfect because any any real like i i don't know i'm not a special agent i'm not undercover or anything i i for, so for all you special agents listening out there <laughs> i don't know what i'm talking about but i would imagine that in a scenario like that a normal agent would probably have let him die yeah and saved the plutonium so that millions wouldn't have and that's the kind of sacrifice that the guys and girl women like that would make would the, the horrible sacrifice the horrible choice that they'd have to make is real. The fact that he saved Luther and lost the plutonium, it took me out of the realness of what this is supposed to be. Plutonium. Plutonium. God dang it. I hate that word. (laughs) And then one more thing. We have the same bad guy and he is a great bad guy. He's a great bad guy. I enjoyed watching him and feeling his badness on the screen. Mm -hmm. I wanted a little bit more of his bad assness, but he was tied up and locked up. 90% 90% of the film, it's only in the end when he's fighting Benji that he, you actually get to see how big of a badass or reminded how big of a badass he is, right? So I would have liked to have felt that a little bit more. That's a really good point. I too. felt it in his acting and how creepy the dude is, you know? I love his intro back in in terms of he's just driving with Ethan for like several minutes or yeah. feels like it before he finally yeah. he says, that was interesting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he doesn't even acknowledge like, oh, it's Ethan Hunt. It's yeah. <laughs> saving me right now. Uh, that, that, was, that was really great. But I would have really kind of liked... Set him s- loose. Yeah, or, or not even have him, mm. honestly. Like, new dude, that's even more. You got to up the stakes, man. Yeah. You know, it doesn't even have to... Honestly, like, let, okay, let's step back for just a second. And I, I'm just going to get on a soapbox for just a second. Step back for just a second and think about... I'm, I'm trying to put this into, into terms that everybody can understand. Imagine $100. Yeah, imagine cool. it. All right. Now imagine $1,000. My word. Now imagine a billion. Oh, my stars. You can't. No. There, there's no way... Your mind cannot wrap your, wrap your head around a billion dollars, right? True. Can, it, can you wrap your head around a million even? Mm, ish. Ish, kind of. What about $20 million? Mm, No, it's just... Fits, yeah, I mean, yeah. right? How could you possibly wrap your mind around that many people? Yeah. So if you can't wrap your mind around that number, then you can't wrap your mind around that number of people dying. Correct. And that's also why it was really important to insert Julia into the base camp. Right. Yeah, yeah. At the very end. Yeah. You don't even know she's there until the very end. So you're just, the setup is there and it's understood, but make it more personal immediately. Like there needs to be a cost immediately that you are going on this journey with them that you can feel as a viewer, you know, like, and it's not just the number. It's also the idea of separation. Ethan is separated from the millions of people. He is much less separated from Julia. Mm -hmm. He is very connected to her, even, even though he's not with her. Right. Right. Maybe that is it. And you, you know it right up front. I don't know. I'm not yeah. saying I don't want to like rewrite the movie. I'm no, no, just no. But to... I think you're totally onto something because yes, they insert Julia to put a face onto the millions of people that are at stake. Yeah, yeah. Right. But to your point, Ethan never really gets put at a crossroads to choose left or right to choose Julia or the millions. True. 
True. And yeah, that would have been much more interesting. Maybe that would have been what would at the beginning a little bit yeah. better than than having Luther. I don't yeah. know. You know, I don't know. I'm just But yeah, he never actually he always gets to have his cake and eat it too. He never actually loses anything. And that that is kind of an ongoing problem. How did you feel when he he had the remote in his hand and you saw the white flash? That was great. Actually, Oh, you know what? I never actually made that note. I kept making mental notes about that. Yeah. But I thought that was a brilliant, like, false edit. Yeah. That yeah. was like, because it's just a sunrise, but your expectation, oh, yeah. you're creating this edit in your head, and you're, that, w- that does get you. You're like, totally, oh, my God. He, totally got me. I he, thought he didn't he, get it. Yeah, he failed. Yeah, yeah. And cut, cut back, and you're like, oh, that was just the yeah. sun. And yeah. it's, that was a beautiful, like, we... Mm. We kind of, as an audience, had our cake and ate it too. Yeah, so exactly. So that what I would say to that is that is very creative to give him his cake and eat it too and to give us ours. Mm-hmm. I would argue it would have been better if he would have failed. Yeah. yeah. It would have set up another one Yes. very, very well. And it would have put made the stakes as high as like... Yeah, you never have those excellent moments that give you a sick, hard feeling in your stomach that, yeah. wow, we really need to come back from this and we, we need to really find a way. They do that again, actually, at the beginning of the film whenever they're tricking that guy in the hospital, making you believe those three bombs went off. Mm-hmm. And... Did you buy that? I did, actually. Really? I totally bought into it. I was like, oh, well. oh that... Yeah. This is going to be interesting. I knew, oh my I knew god! It the whole time, you really the whole time. I totally bit in. Yeah, I forgot I, about they the did whole, it well. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Yeah, but I totally forgot about the, the whole the sticky you know, face yeah. swapping thing. Yeah, so oh, cool. I I agree with you, man. There was anyway. There was a lot more uh, at stake that could have either pressed Ethan to make a choice and someone had to pay a cost, but they never actually made anyone pay a price. Yeah. I mean, all that being said, I enjoyed it. I had a great time. Yeah. 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 So get to that part where you actually, yeah, I actually liked it. Uh, you know, I listen, I go to movies and I, excuse me, i say it all the time. I'm an easy lay, Mm -hmm. like, you know, put me in front of a screen with some popcorn and I am happy, you know, most of the time, yeah. unless I'm watching Transformers, and then make it, it make it like a, a an exciting movie, and I'm even more in it, right? And I have the ability to shut off, that off most of the time, unless I hear the word plutonium. <laughs> uh, so for the most, I, I did like the addition of Henry Cavill in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought he was a badass, and the way he fought was awesome. The twist of him being what was his. Uh, Lark. Yeah. Yeah. Lark. Him being Lark was interesting. And like, as I said earlier, Tom Cruise is fantastic. I always buy him as Ethan Hunt. I I think I always will. They could do six more of these. And did you not know he was Lark? Like from, I I knew it kind of early. Well, I mean, not the outset, maybe not necessarily Lark, but you knew, I knew from the moment they introduced him. Oh, he's, he's our bad guy. Yeah, I guess they're. Yeah, looking that, back, I I've can never see that. had like zero doubt. Literally from the first frame, his face. Uh, <laughs> yeah, screamed. Yeah, bad guy. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He's not good. Yeah, you know, going into it, you know, you see all this stuff on Rotten Tomatoes, and you know, all I these, don't. Like, I never look at. Oh, any I know of you stuff. don't. Well, I did, and <laughs> you know, they're saying best action film ever. And I call bullshit immediately. Mm-hmm. Whenever you see that, you yep. always do. And it's definitely not. Yeah. 
uh, it's definitely not even the best of the Mission Impossibles to me. Agreed. But it's still fun. Yeah. Uh, I would go see it again just because watching watching Tom Cruise do his own stunts, knowing that that that's him. I'm ju- I'm just sitting there in awe, thinking, <laughs> how the hell do they do this and make it safe? Not just safe for the the stunt guy who would have done it, but safe for the Tom Cruise who is doing it. You know. So I watched it twice, and both times I'm watching him jump off that building. Yes. And I'm like, that does not look like he lands right. Right. And someone told me I was on set last week, and we had a few minutes to kill, and this guy Joe is like, yeah, uh, he broke his foot on that fall, actually. <laughs> That's what he told me. I don't. I didn't. Wow. I haven't researched it, but right. I believed it. I was like, yeah. "Yeah, he he didn't look like he landed." I clean mean, he's on that one. broken a lot of stuff. Yeah, you know, like he's committed. But I, you got to love him for that, right? Like God he's is. completely invested in his art, yeah, and his craft. He doesn't let anybody get hurt for him. True. He's like, yeah. no. If 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 this needs to be done, I'm the one that's going to do it. And there might be some some of that. That there sure. also might be, you know, some. It's no, fun. it's mine. You're an adrenaline it. junkie. Yeah, and that too. Yeah. But yeah. So anyway, I definitely enjoyed it. There were pitfalls that you know that were really frustrating. But there was some funny moments in there too. There's you know with Benji and everything. So yeah. I I, I don't know what I'd give it though. Uh, maybe I would give it a seven six. Six. Same. No, I'm exact. I'm a six out of ten. I had a yeah. good time. Like yeah. I went in and I enjoyed myself. Like you're there really for the one reason of the action sequences and to see Tom Cruise run and like <laughs> kick everyone's ass. Yeah. And there's a lot more to that. I'll get to in a little bit. But can we talk about some of the acting? We've you know you've you've touched on Tom Cruise, but there's something about Alec Baldwin that I always find interesting. He has a great ebb and flow delivery whenever he's doing his thing, like he rushes through exposition and slows at the personal moments. And it's kind of interesting. It's an interesting way to just blow through the exposition as fast as possible. And it's like, blah, 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 backstory, backstory, backstory. But what's really important to my character? Like, oh. and I love that because exposition always feels a little forced and disingenuous whenever you're trying to give the audience backstory and the setup of what's happening right now. And I don't know if he was in the last movie or not, or if he was in any of the previous films. He's so ubiquitous in film that I forget yeah, where he's, he's just been. there. <laughs> yeah. He's just there. He's in every film that comes out. But if he wasn't, like he just kind of sets himself up really quickly. Like people said, I shouldn't. People said this is a lateral move, and in some people's eyes, this is a step back. But for me, you're the reason why I'm here. Like yeah. he, oh, yeah, he yeah. just kind of rushes through like how he got to where he is, and he gets to the important because mo- what's important to his character is making sure Ethan Hunt understands that he believes in him and he's more interested in just getting to that part and instead you know all that stuff doesn't matter that's all history and this is what's important to me and i feel like so many actors angela bass in this film i feel like teases out the exposition too much and it begins to get a little laborious like okay but you know what's Where's the emotional stakes? I want to get back to the drama, the character development part, because we, we're not, are we really that concerned with exposition in this film? And you'll see in a little bit, we're really not. <laughs> no. Yeah. But, but so Alec Baldwin to me is always a bit of a genius when it comes to getting through exposition. This film, other films, just watching him work sometimes is pretty cool. Other thing that struck me, Ving Rhames, I feel very torn apart in two by him. He seems way off. I don't know if there was like some medical thing that he went through that 
it almost felt like he's been through a stroke or something. And I say that, you know, with compassion or if he's just not as invested or if he's doing something different with his character. I don't know if he's done something that's really affected his performance, but he seems way, way off. It's so slow and uh, it almost feels like they just don't have as many useful takes to run with mm. or if he's just kind of tuned out of acting at this point. I don't know what's going on, but he seemed way off. But what really splits me in two about it is that said, I thought the writing was still really good enough in those moments that whenever he's talking to, I don't know if he's talking to Julia. No, he's not talking to Julia. He's talking to Rebecca Ferguson's character, who is Ilsa. When he's talking to Ilsa, I still was like, man, yeah, tell her Luther. <laughs> before before Ethan walks in yeah, on them. Yeah. It's a great moment. I was, I was like, yeah, I, I was, was ripped. Yeah. And so that's why I'm like, on the one hand, he, he felt really off, but the writing and he was still just focused on his on his fellow actor. He was still focused on the character enough that I think a good performance sometimes can be as simple as don't blink, say the words, and let them fall out however they fall out. Because too often I think people wrestle and really chew out or chew on too hard, you know, the lines and the performance delivery, especially when you have this meaty thing that's happening. And I think he just did the smart thing of just say the lines and, yeah, yeah. you know, the audience will fill in the gaps emotionally for you. Yeah. So I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know. The other thing, the opening I thought was interesting in a lot of ways, for one, it's the simplest thing in the world, right? You start with foreshadowing the end, you know, here's the stakes. We have a nuclear disaster that kills, the woman he loves and himself. And it's by the person he was supposed to have dealt with already. And really you don't see any other stakes. You don't see the millions of people at stake because that's at the end of the day, to your point earlier, we don't really know those people. We don't care about those people, even though we are those people, Yeah, (laughs) we don't have a face on it outside of Julia. And they do a great job of letting that kind of lead the way for the emotional stakes. But the other thing that really threw me off with this opening sequence was the title sequence had spoilers of the entire film in it. I don't think so? I've ever seen that before. It just had shots of the rest of him jumping off the building and of the helicopter crash and everything that happens throughout oh. the entire film is <laughs> yeah, in the title right. sequence. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, I, I've never seen that. I don't think I have maybe. Well, you don't watch trailers. I don't watch trailers, but I'm pretty sure those were in the trailers. Yeah, that might be true, <laughs> but I definitely don't think it's ever been in the actual movie trailers are one thing and the giving it away but to be sitting in the middle of a film and watching the trailer <laughs> oh yeah that's in true. the film that's true. <laughs> that's that's odd yeah yeah so yeah that kind of took me by surprise for sure the let's dive into the writing because there's a lot of interesting things and i don't know some mishmash the one thing i always love is a motivated villain they have this self-righteous purpose right they're actually looking for peace through destruction. They have a motto or a creed, a creed. Thank you. That they're, that they're being guided by. And you always want that, right? You always want a villain who isn't just evil for the sake of being evil, but you, they need to have, well, maybe, maybe there are cases where that works, but it's for me anyway, exceedingly rare where you just kind of buy in unless it's kind of a robot situation. Like, you want people who have an end goal that if you were telling it from their perspective, 
suddenly you un- you're buying in. You're like, yeah, it does make sense. But no, we can't do that because it's you know freaking evil. <laughs> you yeah. can't just kill millions of people for the sake of the greater good, um, or at least you shouldn't. And so I always, I always you know appreciate a, a well constructed villain. I also appreciate the best laid plans go awry. Mm. They they really use that pretty well here. They detail a really smart plan and it's laid out very meticulously. Well, you can't have that go correctly. Either there's missing data that they didn't let us in on and suddenly the plan we thought that was going right actually had more to it or it was doomed to fail and they have to circumvent their their whole scenario. And in this case, particularly, it was we're going to tranquilize the guy, Lark, with this needle and then we're going to scan his face, we're going to print a mask and we're going to go... And they lay out this whole detailed plan and of course, none of that goes to spec, right? They break the scanner. They end up having to kill the guy. Like everything goes wrong and they have to circumvent. And it's, I love that kind of thing because you have to upset audience expectations. You have to surprise the audience. And the best way to do that is to set up a false expectation. Here's how things are going to go. Oh no, things did not go that way. And so at this point, almost it's more of a surprise if things do go according to plan. At every step of that way, I'm like, Oh, yeah, yeah. Is that how this is going to go? Okay. But it's funny. We still fall into it every time. Oh, yeah. I would say yeah. almost every film every film that comes out in the theater like probably ha- has this formula in it at some point, especially thrillers. They just give you all these false expectations, and, and, and which is great because you want to be surprised by the inventiveness of your hero. That's what, that's what makes them a hero yeah. is their ability to overcome obstacles. Can I ask you a question on that? Yeah. So... Does it ever bother you in movies like this and spy movies or undercover movies where they're, they're like, he's in France. We're going to France. Where the fuck are you going in France? Oh, we're, we're, you know, oh, we're going to go to Paris. Okay. Well, where in Paris are you going and how do you know you're going to that building? Like that one particular place. I get the suspension of disbelief, but it kind of drives me crazy that every time they just know where to go and when to be there. That's so funny. You say that. Are you going to bring that up? Cause that drove me nuts in this film and in most action films like this. I almost want to turn around my laptop because the very next thing is this omniscient exposition and setup that you just kind of find yourself suddenly yeah. in these new places. And especially in these films, they like to use the world as their, you know, never ending Lego set. <laughs> it's just, we yeah. can go wherever we want. And for the sake of being exotic and it's a big budget film, we need to show multiple locations. And the, the beauty of having all these random locations is the use of the geography and the architecture, you suddenly feel like the production value is really, really high. And that's fine. But it, to your point, it annoys me a great deal, honestly. Uh, and in this kind of thing, it's really annoying because we just suddenly find ourselves in these scenarios with little to no setup. We're, we're interrogating a guy in a hospital room all of a sudden. Like, did we really set this up? If we just, we're just there all of a sudden. We're meeting some evil woman in a club. They just speed through the setup to jump into the action. It's kind of sloppy, but it's also the the old adage of let's just cut to the chase. Let's get to the part that's exciting and thrilling. And for me, it is a little sloppy. I might I might want maybe one fewer of those in the movie if you just give me a little bit more investment in those outcomes, mm-hmm. because that's what ultimately makes for a good movie is our emotional investment. For the most part, there are some people who really just want to see the big explosion. I am certainly not that person. I think like 
75% of the movie population isn't actually that person. Yeah. That other 25%, fine. They're they're probably going to be ticket buyers, but everyone else I think really does benefit and appreciate a much deeper emotional investment that if you spend a little bit more time making either making me believe that those explosions were detonated those bombs the plutonium oh, <laughs> really went off say that word <laughs> but then maybe i i care a little bit more about why it's so important to trick this guy or to feel tricked myself because now i really believe yeah of course he's going to call wolf blitzer i never now i didn't believe that he was actually getting Wolf Blitzer to do that. I believed it was just this pre-recorded thing. I did believe those explosions went off. I just didn't believe that they were really going to get this guy to read his stuff mm. on air. Yeah, yeah. The one thing I do like, going back to the writing, is the good guys have all the bad luck. Like I, I do appreciate that the the last thing you want is for the bad guy to suddenly have bad luck. That just feels cheap. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, they, I mean, they have a little bit of that. You have the helicopter that just, you know, magically falls as he, Ethan Hunt pulls on it. Like, you're going to tell me that guy's 250-pound frame, you know, wasn't doing a good job of tugging on it already. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's That strains, you know, credibility. But whatever. Like, you get away with some of those moments because at least it's intentional. Yeah. That bad luck happened by the intention of the good guy. But... What I like, you know, Ethan's bike suddenly won't start. That doesn't benefit him, and it leads to an interesting outcome. Then you also have the good guys limp. When they get hit, they stay down for a minute. Yeah. Because guess what, mofos? You fall down a flight of stairs, that crap hurts. I broke several ribs falling down carpeted stairs, (laughs) (laughs) let alone like a flight of cement stone with knives down and whatever like, <laughs> yeah. the stuff that these guys have it. to go through but the good guys feel the hits and suddenly Ethan needs a minute to get up and Lark or whoever his name is in the, in, in the film August Walker he he's like okay let me take off this jacket we're gonna have to go because it's just you and me right now and so I love all those moments whenever they're struggling to regain their composure they need to walk it off for five or six steps before they can get going again that's really cool The thing I love about this film is the drama works. It's a lot more tense and dramatic than the past several films. Other than like the Mm -hmm. first film, I'll say this is far more arguably the second film, but the second film was just garbage. Apologies to John Woo. This one though, after like three, especially four and five, it's just very hokey to me. I didn't enjoy those films almost at all. Like I went and watched and I enjoyed the action films, but I'm like, I never want to see Ghost Protocol or whatever chickens will roost all those things just weren't really working for me um because of the humor it was just so humorous and in this one there's far less humor yeah and more music more danger because the absence of laughter and jokes starts to weigh us down and makes us feel that this isn't a happy-go-lucky movie we buy into the danger a lot more it raises the emotional stakes because of how much less laughter and happiness there is throughout the film. And even the jokes that they do have are just kind of jokes with, within the characters themselves. They don't really make us laugh. We're not really laughing along very often. Um, just cuts the tension a little bit. Yeah. And it's it works so much better. And I, I honestly don't mind jokes that aren't funny because in real life, jokes that you, know, you and I are going to laugh at 
really aren't jokes that a third person is going to laugh at if they watched a videotape of us. Yeah. Like, no, we're just jackasses who are best friends that love talking about random shit. Right. And, and this, what I love that they did was it was more MOS, which MOS is a script writing term that could mean a few different things. Um, minus optical sound is the technical version of that. And in film, you have an optical film strip that's recording all the uh, audio onto the film track. And so that's optical sound. And if it's MOS, you're minus that optical sound. Now, the more fun version that I've, that I personally subscribe to is there's this old German filmmaker who was just bad at pronouncing English and he was trying to say without sound, but because of his German accent, it always come out, came out mid out sound, mid out sound. And so they started writing MOS for mid out sound. Um, and so that's far more fun. I like that one. Better. I subscribe to that. And so they have all these MOS sequences, but it's coupled with music to help us invest in the emotional state of the characters. So whenever you have Ethan being put to the task of, you have to now bust out your arch enemy and be willing to execute cops. And I love that sequence where he's yeah. facing down the cop and he's walking up on him. He's slowly pulling out his gun. He's thinking about it. And then all the bad guys walk up behind him and he squeezes it. For a moment, I was buying into that reality. I, t- I totally do. That was the heaviest moment of the yeah. movie for me. Yeah. And I was... And that was what made me write down, well, I was really glad that I'd written down Sacrifice at that point because I was like, yeah, he's going to have to choose now. Is he willing to sacrifice one for the sake of millions? And then, of course, they, they oopty scooped us out of that. And it's right. like, okay, actually, that was him contemplating the choice that he has to make. And I, I kind of get that, okay, he's not willing. We, we've known mm-hmm. two, two times now that he's not willing to sacrifice one for millions. Mm-hmm. You totally get that. And that's that's good that they hit that home, but it just didn't I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Yeah, but they know? never they never fulfilled that that foreshadowing because they right. foreshadow it throughout the entire film. Right. And I feel like in most cases, you know, that comes with a sacrifice. That comes with losing something, whether that's your own life or you know, the lives of millions because you didn't sacrifice that one person. I feel, you know, but it just so happens he wins. I agree. It's, it's very much in my mind anyway, in both of our minds, as it sounds that it's part of the loaded gun theory. You can't just watch a gun get loaded and not see it go off. Right. And in this case, the loaded gun would be someone has to die for the sake of achieving the mission. Right. No one ever does unless you're counting the bad guys, which that kind of goes without saying. <laughs> yeah, not really. <laughs> that does not count. Yeah, that's a this that's definitely this is definitely a loaded gun movie where the, they set us up to see him have to sacrifice or make a decision and he doesn't have to. He never has to. Hmm. They do a good job of trying to work their way around that by yeah. removing the the laughter which increases the tension mm-hmm. and then making us feel like anything could happen. Yeah. And it definitely worked because I didn't really notice it till you said it. Yeah. So yeah, because the whole time you're like, Oh my God, I'm on edge this whole time. What, what's going to happen? We've already seen the opening sequence, nuclear explosion. We've seen them tease out three nuclear explosions on TV. And so we've kind of had it instilled in us throughout the whole film that bombs do go off. Could it happen? And then of course we finally have that moment, the false edit that we discussed yeah. earlier with the sunrise. Yeah. It's like, Oh God, or the sunset. Oh God, did it happen? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and so there's that criticism, which is totally justified. My other criticism, and it's something that most action films don't do, 
But I just wish that the fight scenes revealed character. They always look cool. They always look amazing. The only time you could argue that it kind of reveals character in this film, uh, at least off the top of my head, I didn't really dive deep into my notes on this, is when you have Walker slam the briefcase against the uh, Lark, supposed Lark. Um, yeah, the Asian guy who's just a freaking badass. Yeah. But that revealed that revealed character because it was like it was more important for him to just get it over with and to do things his own way. That was a very good character revealing moment, and it was delivered through a, an, an action blow. Like he, yeah, he very literally showed his character through that action, and that's the kind of stuff that I'm like, yes, that's really cool. But there's a lot of really great opportunities in, in films to reveal character through action, uh, whether it's through a fighting style, you never really get that out of this. And I'm totally going to whiff on, I guess you could say Benji at the end has one of those moments. His character is revealed a little bit through his action. Whenever he decides it's more important to save her life than it is to ensure my own safety as I'm hanging and I'm about to die. Yeah. Like that's a little bit in that vein, but I don't know. I wish there was something in their fighting styles itself. That was a little bit more character driven than just being technically proficient at fighting. I love, love that you said that because my recommendation has that. Ooh. And I didn't even realize it when I made it, but I made it for the other reasons I was talking about, but but you just said, it's like, yeah, (laughs) you're going to, you're going to love it. This is awesome. I have one other note and then I want to get to my question. So the other thing I I thought was kind of interesting, and this is still on a writing note that there's that go callback that they do. Ethan in the hospital room, right? He, he is asking, Hey, do we have the data from the laptop? Yeah. And then he just kind of says, go. And it triggers his ambush to set up and the false reality that the guy was in. Now, honestly, I don't know why it was important to let him in on the fact that he got gagged. I don't know why. Just let him keep living in that. If You might need more information yeah. out of him later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but for the sake of, oh, cool, funny, the audience is in on it now too. Whatever. But I love that they also call back to that later in the film when we're in the sewers. I don't know where we're at, but... When Lark calls Go to trigger his own setup mm. and the fact that yeah. he's ambushing everyone. Because at that point, it looks like... When the lights go out and everybody... Yeah. yeah. He calls Go, the lights blink or fade out, and suddenly people are dying. Yeah. Gunshots are going. And that's just kind of a simple, like, you're not the only person who has access and uh, intelligence. And they're, once again, kind of going back to a good villain. We've set up a really good villain because he has plans that are all set up against our hero. And now the hero has to overcome these extra obstacles, even though the hero at that point looks brilliant. Yeah. Oh, how smart is he? He set everyone up. And now actually, no, the villain is a little bit smarter than you. And it goes back to uh, this old writing website, screenwriters website by Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio. And I might be, transposing those first names and last names, but they're the writers behind like the very first pirates of the Caribbean and Aladdin. And they had this awesome, yeah, great writing stuff. And one of their adages was smart, bad guys, smarter heroes. Like don't be afraid to let your villain be really freaking intelligent and a badass because that's going to challenge your character. And now we have to see your character be foiled and, you know, repost. Like he has to come back from that. Interesting. Yeah. So, cool. and that's what I liked about the go thing. The awesome. 
Yeah, so you run a little bit, right? Yeah. <laughs> How many miles would you say you run a week? Oh, I don't know. I don't it's know, too many. 30 to 50 or something like that. 30 to 50 miles? <laughs> yeah. That's just running. That doesn't include your swimming and your your biking. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. How, just for my own and the, our listeners' sake, how, <laughs> how, how many miles would you say you bike a week? Well, I did 62 on Sunday. <laughs> just on Sunday? Um, yeah. But sometimes I do 100 on a day. And <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, it's more about time rather than miles. So I'll do... Right now, I'm probably doing 10 hours. Well, no, like eight hours on the bike per week. I'm, I'm in a heavy bike block. Oh my God. Yeah. And it's funny because I think I, I hear other people when they start talking about their workouts and you know, they're inflating things mm. and I know you well enough to know you're not inflating. You're deflating. <laughs> I, if anything, yeah. you're underestimating all this. Maybe yeah. that's so crazy <laughs> to me, but watching Tom Cruise, did you feel like, man, that like his running form as a, non-runner like i don't know jack squat about runner running but i'm watching him i'm like his upper body looks like it's freaking locked yeah almost like he's suspended and his just arms and legs are just flailing <laughs> yeah yeah you know it, he he's an excellent runner i mean when you're seeing him sprinting he's running four minute mile you know like he's like i mean he can't i don't know if he could run a four minute mile but he's running that pace for that what you're oh, what you're looking God. at he is booking it his form is great for a sprinter. I mean, if you're going to run distance, he's a little too upright. I, I subscribe to the lean, the forward lean. So the, the, the for distance. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to run a, a long way or for a long time, it's, um, to me I've found and and, and some people subscribe to this. Some people don't. I found that if you lean forward a little bit at the ankles, not the waist, but at the ankles, you, you basically are falling forward. So huh. if you stand up, you just stand up and then you lean forward enough to where you fall and then your foot moves forward to catch you, that's running. You just do that over and over and over again so that you're expending less energy to pick up your leg and put it forward. You don't need to do that. You just pick it up and you put it down and it happens to be in front of the, the other one because <laughs> you're falling forward. But if you're sprinting, like the sprinters, the 100-meter 100, 100 sprinters, the 200-meter, the 400-meter sprinters, if you look at them, almost all of them are so vertical. They're, I mean, he, Tom Cruise, like, he's almost leaning backwards. He's so vertical. You notice wow, that. Like, yeah. He's like straight up and down because it is all muscle. Like no amount of lean is going to help you in that regard. You're, you're trying to take as long of a stride as you can and cover as much ground and turn over as fast as you possibly can. So, and full disclosure, it's not right. even necessarily that I noticed it so much as whenever he made the third film, which uh, is probably my second favorite of the series. I love the first one the most. Yeah. Brian De Palma is oh, yeah. amazing. The only thing I I thought the ending may be slightly weak on the first one in terms of villain stuff. Which one was that? It wasn't the helicopter one. No, it was the close. Yeah, 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 with the, uh, I mean, it's a badass. It's, yeah, yeah, it's okay. crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the drama, all of, there's just so much I love about the first yeah. one. But in the third one, I want to say there was a featurette about him having to completely change his running form. And that was when he very picked up this current form of running in order to do this outrageously. It was like a 50, 60 second sprint oneer that was him running down like, 
I don't know, somewhere in like Thailand or Singapore, somewhere in somewhere over there. And it was like this crazy long run that was on a very thin like boardwalk. And so he just had no room for error. And it was one of those things where like a couple inches either way and he's completely spread out and breaking things all over his face. Oh, wow. And he's like, in order to make sure that he could, you know, do it in precision, he completely reworked his running style. And that was, and they started going into like, yeah, so we were, we're going to have him like running like this. And that was the first time I noticed. I'm like, oh yeah, he is completely freaking upright. Yeah. And it makes me want to go back and analyze some of his earlier running. (laughs) Yeah. It kind of makes me want to go watch that too, (laughs) which is strange because I feel like he's always run this way. I I don't remember him running any other way. He's always been an excellent runner for sure. But Um, he, yeah, no, he's like really tight. You know, which makes yeah. him a little bit more aerodynamic. His arms aren't flailing out, you know, his elbows and stuff. Yeah. And so very and, well, and, like, what would you say? 45? Yeah. I mean, I guess I don't, I didn't I'd pay that much attention yeah. to, to notice all the details, but yeah, he wasn't clenching a fist. He was relaxed with his hands and, and stuff. And he's like, he's very relaxed, but very intent and intense. He's, he's a really, really solid runner, man. Yeah. I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I would really like to know what kind of pace he was running on, yeah. the, on those on those. I runs, can't but. imagine resetting is like. Give me like twenty minutes, guys. Yeah, I mean, he if he really worked on it, he could probably you know just give him a couple of minutes, you know, maybe like five minutes or something, and he could probably do it again. I would imagine. I mean, I don't know. It depends yeah, no, on how makes, far he's running. That's when true. He was running, how many takes they're doing that or yeah. setups they're doing that day. After he jumps out the window and he's running down that roof, that's a long oh. run. And I wonder how far he, they made him run before he, they said cut and how many times they had to do yeah. that. Like, yeah, that, that might require a longer reset. Ooh. But yeah, no, he's a solid runner, man. That's Definitely. so cool. Yeah. And while we're still talking about him, I'm actually a big Tom Cruise fan. He gets a lot of flack. Like I know, yeah. especially several years whenever he was just kind of jumping on couches and like <laughs> acting a little different. Yeah. But even then I still I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. I'm, I'm a very gray area person in life. And so I kind of like, eh, whatever. Like, is the movie good? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, as long as he's not like beating people and chopping kids' fingers off, I guess. Like, yeah, no, like, that's a good one. I yeah. guess. <laughs> A good one. That would be bad. That's not not a role for you, Tom. But I generally like want to see see his movies. Like even yeah. even if it's something I know I'm going to be like, yeah, that's two out of five. I'm probably still going to watch it. Yeah, yeah. You just want to see him in it. Yeah, though I like him. I think more in these films in some of his dramas for the past ten years or so, fifteen years. He's gotten a little mechanical with his yeah. drama chops. I, I agree. You know, it's like he's going to laugh a particular way and everything feels a little too dialed in. I don't feel like he's able to just throw it all away anymore yeah. and just to be. I don't think he knows what that means yeah. to just be present anymore. He's just he's Maybe too well rehearsed, I think. The last, I guess, drama I remember him in that I really loved him in was A, a Few Good Men. Mm. Uh, but he was also surrounded by really good acting too. Yeah. So no, he's but great. He, in that, but he yeah. killed it. He killed yeah. it in that movie. So yeah. cool. So I'm going to start with my recommendation. Yeah, of the week do it. Cause do it. I want to save yours just a little, <laughs> little more. I guess I probably blew it up out of proportion. <laughs> my favorite Tom Cruise movie is yeah. cocktail. Ah, I nice. love cocktail yeah. and I'm totally recommending that because it's, I don't know. It's, I grew up watching it. Yeah. I probably, I couldn't tell you how many times I've seen it, but there are certain things that I still kind of quote, even if internally from that movie, it's just kind of made a big life impression on me for whatever odd reason. 
Interesting. Uh, but yeah, cocktail. Go watch nice. that. If you, yeah. Especially if you've never seen it. But even if you haven't seen it recently, it's... I have not seen it recently. I should, I should go watch it. Yeah. I love it. You know, I should, you know what else I should go watch it, to analyze his running form would be The Firm. Oh, totally. Yeah, because that's like an streets. old school style I feel of confident running. that he's just flailing about Probably. in there. Yeah. I, I think so, too. Yeah. I think you're right. Oh, my God. <laughs> Man. What do you got? What's mind. your recommendation? The Born Ultimatum. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fighting with the book, in the bathroom, with the towel. Like, yeah. Like, it, the fight scenes are very characteristic of the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a There's loss there's sacrifice. He fails at times there. There's a lot at stake, but it's very personal. It's really, really solid. And, and born ultimatum ultimatum. I think it's the second one. Is it the second one? That might be the third, the third one. I can't remember. Yeah, I can't either. What? <laughs> yeah, I say that and I really don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whatever. Born ultimatum. I believe it's the one where he, he fights with the book, uh, in the bathroom. Nice. Yeah. That's a, which is a, badass sequence oh dude it's so good some of those shots you can see how tight the space is. yeah i mean the one thing about that and all the born films and all you know like like we talked about earlier most action films is it's it's horrible when you talk about like oh we're going to budapest (laughs) where the where are we going in budapest you know like who are we meeting how do we find them do you know their number are you going to email them or like you know like what's the deal yeah no you know what i think i would be more impressed with is learning staying in one spot and really learning the geography of that spot, mm-hmm. which would increase the tension whenever a character moves from place to place. And suddenly totally. you feel like, Oh, there's danger all around me. Yeah. That would be much cooler in my opinion than just exploring random places. Cause every big budget movie, especially big budget action movies, just going to do that. They're going to, yeah. Oh, now we're in Bucharest. Yeah. The, yeah. The, and they I, make certain, they make certain cities sound like a country in and of themselves. Yeah. And I learned every country and its capital, so I don't fall <laughs> yeah. for that anymore. There you go. That's which is amazing, by the way. My God, and completely nerdy. Yeah, and, and I think that I think that honestly, the Born series is the worst at that because it moves so fast. Yeah, and there's so many. I mean, like ninety percent of his close-ups, so you have no idea where you are, even. If you know where you are, oh, you know, so half the true. time, but it, it is such an awesome movie. I love it. I could watch it 10 times. It's really good. So yeah, born ultimatum. Good call. Yeah. So stay tuned for next week. We are going to try our hat. Yeah. At the seven minute pestle. Yeah. As we cover. Th- this is, this is a challenge that I've given Wes <laughs> because what are, what are we at now? We are at 57 minutes. No, no, no. What are, what are we at? Like uh, how many episodes have we done? Oh, this is number 49. This, perfect. Yeah. Our fi- so we've done 49 episodes of at least an hour or more. Usually give yeah, or take a few average. minutes on average. So our 50th episode is going to be a seven minutes long. That's it. That means we got to, we got to get in, get down and dirty and get out in seven minutes. It's a hard cut. That's it. So you go and tell your friends if they don't want to listen to an hour long of us talking, they can listen to seven minutes. (laughs) And what movie are we doing? Vanilla Sky. It's just such a good movie. Yeah, yeah. We're it's almost a shame to bastardize it. <laughs> it's not going to be bastardized. It's going to be the Craig's, the Craig, the, what is it? The Cliff Notes yeah. of, of, uh, of movie review. It's so good. It's going to be great. 
Yes, we're going to get in. We're going to talk over each other. We're going to interrupt each other. I don't know. I might want to like stopwatch. Okay, you get six seconds. No. I get 30. No. We go. I mean, we'll have a timer on here and it's just go and and then we're done. Okay. And we got to cover everything like we do. We're going to have, you know, the rundown. We're going to have the sponsor. We're going to have the synopsis. <laughs> and uh, I even want a soundbite in there. Everything. Yep. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, it's going to be awesome, man. Don't forget to subscribe and review us on iTunes if you have not already. Shout out to Joe H., our buddy down under. I don't know if New Zealand really qualifies as a land down under. I know that it's It's under a lot of stuff, right? Yeah, it's it's under the land down under. So is it? Is that what it is? The land down under under? Yeah. (laughs) Shout out, Joe, for your beautiful commentary on Gladiator last week. Uh, He dropped us a, a great note. And also shout out to our buddy, new buddy, Mark, for helping me. There was this weird thing that happened in Premiere where it was not exporting the audio. We we have this long I have this long finishing process where I export a file, I EQ it, then I re-import it and re-export it into a smaller MP3 file size. Everything was playing just fine. I didn't check the final MP3, and apparently there was no audio in it. Oh no! And Mark jumped in, and Joe jumped in as well. Well after Mark, by the way. So Joe, I need you Get to on listen it, to way faster, buddy. <laughs> but but Mark <laughs> saved our bacon because he was on top of it. And, awesome, thanks, um, man. Gave me an opportunity to figure out what the heck was going on there, which I didn't. I had to redo the whole finishing weird. move. Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah, it was weird. It was really really weird. But thank you so much, bro. And if you want to comment on this episode and let us know what you love or hated on Mission Impossible Fallout, you can go to thepestlepodcast.com slash Mission Impossible Fallout. Simple, easy, short, tiny URL. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, can't miss it. And hey, man, props to you again. Every now and then I want to give you props for all the work you do on this. The site looks amazing. Uh, Everything sounds incredible. uh, And you do so much work on the back end. And I appreciate it. And I love getting together with you to do this, but none of it would be out there for one for you. So thank you so much, man. You're very welcome. I'm glad you're here doing it. There's nobody else I'd want to do this with. Ah, thanks, man. Awesome. All right. So let's end with the quote of the day. Let's see what you chose. He also chooses the quote of the day. You know what? I'm going to choose it next week. Ooh. All right. For 50. We're going to do I had a good one. some stuff. Good. Okay. Well, I'll let you know what I was going to choose for next week. <laughs> okay. I might choose that one then if it's really good. I was going to choose what? Jesus wept. I was going to do a Bible <laughs> verse because it's two words. <laughs> oh, that's every day. If you ask my mom, oh God. All right. So quote of the day by Brian De Palma. Let's see if I can get, it's kind of long. So let's see if I can get through this because I don't read out loud very well. In my head, I read okay, but in, out loud, I'm just not that quick. All right. Okay, so the quote of the day is by Brian De Palma. Women are more sympathetic creatures in Jeopardy. Plus, they're more interesting to photograph. I'd rather photograph a woman walking around with a candelabra than a guy. It's as simple as that. Somebody once said that the history of cinema was made photographing women, and I think one could truthfully say that. I like that because there is something not only more inherently sympathetic. We, I think as a society, we tend to value the lives of women more than men. Uh, yeah, I can see that. And in one sense, not, not to say that like that's reflected very well in a lot of our legal uh, processes, Yeah, but in some ways they are in some ways 
it's more to an advantage to be a woman in the legal system than a man. In a lot of ways, actually. And I'm not even trying to get into all that. Custody. <laughs> yeah, of, when of you start talking about custody, you know, divorce proceedings. If you're talking about abuse allegations, you're, as a guy, you're, you're never going to get that call. You yeah. know, they're yeah. never going to believe you that the woman was beating on you. Yeah, yeah. And I've certainly seen that up close and personal before. Not, you know, with me, but with friends and family. Like sure. that kind of stuff happens where men are the victims and they just don't get believed. But, and so there is something in society that says protect women, even if we don't necessarily give them the same voice in how we go about all those protections. But I also love this quote because it's from Brian De Palma who directed the very, you know, the original Tom Cruise mission impossible. And that's just an interesting idea because I think it's executed here whenever they insert Julia into the camp base. It's not only just a person that we know, it's a woman person that we know, and it's the love interest. But I also really appreciate that they didn't just make her a, a helpless bystander. She became, you know, pursuant to an, an advocate of her own safety whenever she went to help, you know, operate on the bomb, so to speak. Whenever she was helping Luther, like, yeah. you tell me, I'm a freaking doctor, I'm great with my hands, like, yeah. let me be of some use here. Awesome words. Well done. I like it. (laughs) All right. So again, make sure you subscribe and review us. Tell your friends. And we hope that you enjoyed it. And again, join us next week uh, when we do the seven minute pestle, our 50th episode. 50. That's That's amazing. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So until then, I'm Todd. I'm Wes. Go watch some movies. Mm